Well, maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to another Camel Clutch Cinema. My name is Guy Hutchinson. I'm here with Craig Cohen and we're talking about The Expendables. Craig, do you remember seeing this movie in the theater? Oh, of course I do. I remember counting down the days to this, you know, starting months in advance. We have a storied history with this film. We both couldn't wait for it to come out. We went and saw it in the theater opening day, and then we both bought Blu-ray players on the day that it came out so that we could both buy it on Blu-ray and watch it on Blu-ray that night. Right, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, that is there is a lot of synchronicity on this. Oh, yeah. What an exciting movie this was. This was something you just couldn't wait to see. You were going to get Stallone and Schwarzenegger together. You were going to get Jet Li, and you were going to get all these big action names, and they were going to just explode, and things were going to blow up, and people are going to shoot each other. I mean, this this is an exciting movie, and this is certainly a film for Camel Clutch Cinema. Let's talk about when this came out. All right. It was released on uh, August thirteenth, two 2010. So about two years ago, and it opened at number one with a $34 million weekend, beating out Eat, Pray, and Love, which was Julia Roberts' return film, The Other Guys, which was in its second week of release, and uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It actually ultimately went on to gross over $100 million at the box office, which was the first Stallone film to do that in quite some time. All right, so this was a big-time film. At the box office, it was competing with The Other Guys, which had The Rock in it. So you had Stone Cold in The Expendables going up against a film that The Rock was in that was in its second weekend. And then you had Eat, Pray, Love, where Julia Roberts hadn't been shaving her pits and showed up in (laughs) in movies again. I can't get over that. I know a lot of people think that that's that's okay and, you know, Mm -hmm. we're just supposed to. I just, I have trouble accepting the Julia Roberts with the, because I remember in Pretty Woman when she was in the hot tub, she she didn't have anything in the pits. And that's how Mm -hmm. I fell in love with her. It's just not, it's not my Julia Roberts, Craig. Mm -hmm. And that's her problem, not yours. (laughs) Let's go through a plot summary of The Expendables. All right. I think I will take a stab at this. All right. All right. So we have the mercenary group The Expendables boarding a vessel under cover of darkness to halt Somali pirates from executing hostages. The team consists of leader Barney Ross, Lee Christmas, Yin Yang, Gunner, Hail Caesar, and Toll Road. During the rescue, Gunner acts erratically. After the mission, Ross reluctantly discharges Gunner from the team due to his unstable condition and drug abuse. After meeting with a shadowy figure named Mr. Church, Ross accepts a job to overthrow dictator General Garza in Valena, a South American island in the Gulf of Mexico. Ross and Christmas fly to Valena for undercover reconnaissance. On the way to meet their contact, Ross and Christmas witness the army harassing citizens on the street. They are being led by Monroe and Payne. Christmas secretly photographs them for identification purposes. 
Ross and Christmas meet their contact, Sandra, and against her wishes, she takes them to see the General's Palace. We learn that Monroe has kept Garza in power as a figurehead for his own drug profiteering operations. Ross and Sandra are discovered by the General's men, and it is revealed that Sandra is the General's daughter. After a brief fight, Ross, uh, Christmas, and Sandra escape, but when they get to the plane, Sandra refuses to leave. Meanwhile, a vengeful gunner approaches Monroe and offers up info on the Expendables. Ross and the group discover that Mr. Church is a CIA operative and the real target is a rogue agent named Monroe. Ross decides that he will go back for Sandra alone. Yang accompanies him and they leave the team's headquarters. Gunner and hired men reveal themselves and a chase ensues, ending in an abandoned warehouse. Gunner is wounded and makes amends. He gives Ross the layout of Garza's palace. Ross and Yang board the plane and find the rest of the team ready to aid him. The team infiltrates Garza's compound, and while Ross searches for Sandra, the rest of the team plan explosives. Garza finally stands up to Monroe and gives a speech to his troops. Monroe kills him and takes off with Payne and Sandra. Enraged at seeing their leader murdered, Garza's men open fire on the Expendables who are trapped at the palace entrance. Once Ross is sure that Sandra is clear, he detonates the explosives, demolishing the palace. They engage the troops in battle. During this toll and pain fight, and Payne is ultimately set on fire. Ross and Christmas both catch up to Monroe, killing him and saving Sandra, and the heroes ride away on their motorbikes. All right. Now that is a film. And I want to talk about the people that appear in this film. We've got Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's one of the villains. His character's name is Payne. And then let's go through the actual Expendables. I'll throw out the real name. You give me the wacky code name that they have. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that we were, I was going to be quizzed. That's right. So Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Barney Ross. All right. Very good. Jason <laughs> Statham. He played Lee Christmas. Right. And whenever he showed up, it was Christmas time. Yes. <laughs> Jet Lee. Yin Yang. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Uh, Dolph Lundgren. Gunnar Jensen. See, that works for me, too. I like all these. These are Stallone names. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, remember, I remember actually looking at IMDb with, uh, you know, and going back and forth you uh, when we saw these names. And it, it's, it was a funny game we used to play with, uh, with Stallone movies. Stallone movies always have the craziest names. Anytime he has something to do with naming characters, he's just like Latora, Balboa. <laughs> I mean, there's just... But we've got the two craziest names, the two that sound like members of the original G.I. Joe team. We've got Terry <laughs> Crews as Hail Caesar, and it's spelled H-A-L-E, and then uh, Randy Couture as Toll Road. <laughs> I don't know. Very crazy, crazy names. But in the movie, we're told that these are not their real names, that this is that these are fake names that they're they're using. You know, the scene mm-hmm. that we see later with, with Bruce Willis and Arnold, we, they talk about how, you know, th- this isn't your real name. Your real name isn't Barney Ross. There's a scene in the movie where he's like, I'm Buddha, he's pest. So I guess yes. this is a constant thing where they where they come up with new with new names. Which uh, makes you wonder why Barney Ross decided to go with the name Barney Ross and not something cool like Hail Caesar. <laughs> One thing I also like about it is, except for Hail Caesar and Toll Road, most of them, they're like, we'll give you the wacky last name or the <laughs> wacky first name. You know, like, you're Barney, but you can be Ross. You know, you're, you're, you're Christmas, but your first name can be Lee. 
the thing I really like about how this movie starts is you have the big action scene up front, but before that, they throw in a quick scene of them riding on their motorcycles. And I really like this. And I think even at the end, that's how they end the movie with mm-hmm. the shot of them on their mo- motorcycles and the boys are back in town. And I think there's a, there's a, a, they want to give you this feel that these are just guys that are going to have some fun. We're going to see some horrible things happen, but we're having fun. This is a yeah. fun movie. This is not Rambo, which had, he had just done shortly before this. And that film had some very heavy issues. You know, it starts out, they show you some very serious things. I think this is a much lighter take on that subject. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny. It almost seems like the team that he was with in Rambo were the Expendables, you know, considering yeah. how many of them died. And I remember a lot of people complain with this movie that none of the good guys die in this. And I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said this isn't what that movie's about. Right. I love that none of the good guys die. I love yeah. it. Every time this movie wraps up, I say, oh, right. They all make it, you know, because yeah. you start towards the end. You're like, Randy Couture is going to get taken out. Oh, well, maybe uh-huh. he'll get taken. And then they all make it. Everybody's yeah. alive. Um mm-hmm. But we got to get there. We'll, we'll start out. We got the opening scene. We got the motorcycles. And the motorcycles play a big theme throughout this. Stallone actually went to, to Bike Week in New Orleans. I found an interesting article from way before the movie started, uh, uh, before it was released in theaters, where he had gone to Bike Week unannounced, showed up, and then there's a, a big bike place there, apparently, which is called Borget Bikes. And he met with the owner and spent two days talking to her and her builders at G. Smith Motorsports Borget Bike Works. And he talked to everybody at the show, was apparently getting on lots of motorcycles and just bought a ton of them. He just oh, you know, wow. went there and bought like 10 motorcycles that were all either used in this film or possibly just went to Stallone's private collection <laughs> on the budget of the film. But uh, so we get that little motorcycle scene and then we're right. We're on this boat. We're in a scene that looks like it's the opening scene from the Marine. But my God, this scene is even more explosive and exciting than that. Yeah, I love this opening scene. And uh, when this movie came out, we were dealing with a lot of pirate activity, uh, Somalian pirates. So this was sort of like a, a wish fulfillment scene. And it really works. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of wanted them to hang a pirate. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you can you can definitely see uh, when, when, uh, when Gunner goes to hang that pirate that, you know, Based on what they've done to all the other pirates, it, it doesn't seem out of line. I think uh, Dolph was great in this scene uh, as Gunner. Uh, he actually starts things off uh, during a, a, their standoff by firing a warning, what he calls a warning shot, and he ends up cutting the guy in half. <laughs> and then he uh, says, uh, oh, that was a little low. Um, I think this early uh, humor really works, too, because it lets you know that, that it isn't going to be that serious you know, Rambo-type uh, movie. Yeah, they they don't go the route that a lot of these films go and really give us, you know, this is the guy that's that's good with this. This is the guy mm-hmm. that's good with that. And then all their parts mesh to make one team. They all just seem to be really good at everything. We do get some play with with Statham and Stallone, who I guess are the old buddies of the team. And mm-hmm. there's some back and forth about how 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 Stallone's slower and mm-hmm. you know and he he's not as fast as he used to be and they go back and forth because Stallone doesn't believe that um but it, it is a great opening scene really starts it off with a bang 
And then they wind us down with the scene where Lee Christmas goes to visit his girlfriend and has a ring for her and, and this crazy thing with the boyfriend and mm -hmm. boyfriend's like, you know, who's that? And he's like, she told you my name's friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you notice where the ring was from? No. Where did it say? He said he got it in Burma. Okay. Well, Burma's <laughs> a war zone. Yeah. As we learned in Rambo. Uh, as much as I like these scenes with, you know, uh, with Lee and and uh, and Charisma Carpenter and and the and the new boyfriend, uh, they don't really work for me in the film. Right. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to the the basketball scene. But they they seem to almost be there either to pad the film or or maybe to uh, to make us relate to the character. But it to me it it feels like it's a totally different movie when they show up. However, I cheered when I saw them the first time, and I, I would say I cheer every time I see those scenes. We go to the tattoo parlor after this where Stallone is doing what? He's filling out his tattoo little by little. Is this every mission he gets an inch <laughs> yeah. or is it a mark or something? What, I what think a, le a letter. I see. And so they, they give us uh, – and I noticed Tool, which is Mickey Rourke, has to do all the exposition in this film. He's constantly, <laughs> you know, like, hey, it takes you five years to do a tattoo because you do a little bit at a time and – you know, he spells out later when he talks about the girl on the bridge. He's really he's there to give a lot of backstory, talk about what happened to Stallone's hand, you know, yeah. to talk about all these different things. Mm -hmm. um, he also is wearing an unusual hairdo. Yeah, it's basically the same hairstyle he has in Iron Man 2. Yeah, and he, he walked off the set of Iron Man and onto the set of this movie and then yeah, he back to Iron Man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, he just had a juggle accent and, and he was all set. Yeah, it is interesting. It's a it's an interesting timepiece that this will always be, you know, the film that, you know, he also has the Iron Man hair. It reminds me of Tiny Lister playing Zeus and No Holds Barred with the Z on the side of his head and then doing the movie Think Big where he still had the Z. And I don't know if it was because WWE needed him to keep it for his matches, but he still yeah. has a Z. And so they're just like, we'll call him Z because he's got a <laughs> Z on the side of his head. Uh, but he's got that hairdo. Mickey Rourke, of course, was in the movie The Wrestler in 2008. He did some training with Appa the Wild Samoan and said he was incredibly impressed by how difficult wrestling was and how painful it was and how much the guys put into it. And then he became involved in a storyline leading up to, to WrestleMania 25. Mm-hmm. This was pretty exciting. Chris Jericho was fighting against, as if this match didn't have enough going for it. It's Chris Jericho <laughs> fighting against Roddy Piper, Jimmy Schnooka, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat with Ric Flair at ringside. Yes. And then sitting in the front row is Mickey Rourke. And after Jericho takes on all the legends, Rourke comes to their aid. After they're all defeated, Rourke comes in and he, and he, and he clocked Chris Jericho. And you can never know what to believe when wrestling tells you something. But the word was that he connected a little harder than he wanted to. Um, yeah. afterwards the word was that Jericho was hurt a little bit by the punch but you never know if that's you know you never know what they're trying to sell you in the WWE but oh was, that definitely. was a great great moment I mean this guy's got a cool Wrestlemania moment oh definitely definitely and I think hanging out with all the wrestlers is is probably where he started to pick up the the use of the word brother which uh, if you ever want to play an interesting game, watch this movie and just do the brother count with Mickey Rourke. That's right, yes. You could do a shot with Mickey Rourke every time he's like, well, remember that? We were in the blood in Bosnia, brother. And you were <laughs> you were leaning in, brother. And I was saying, 
oh, brother, I don't want to die on this field. I think at one point he even calls his girlfriend Chiani. I think he calls her brother. He's like, go over there, brother. <laughs> yeah. I also Brothering it up. Yeah. There was also another little character, um, I guess a, a character thing here that I really liked, which was the pipe that he smokes. Yeah. He smokes a long pipe. Yeah, which I thought was a really cool little character detail. It's stuff like that is, is always, you know, interesting because it, it, you wonder where that came from and, and, and why it was decided to, you know, be done. But the fact that we're talking about it shows that it was effective. It looks like a Santa Claus pipe. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's very interesting. I love the set of the tattoo parlor. It's beautiful. It's lit oh. so well. You know, yeah. they, they don't have chairs. They all sit on top of motorcycles. It is a really cool looking scene. Oh, definitely. Uh, we got a little bit more plot after this. Um, I kind of feel that with this film, I didn't really understand the Garza James Monroe plot. And this mm-hmm. was Eric Roberts was the James Monroe character. And I felt that as the movie would go on, I'd just kind of be like, there's the bad guys. These are the good guys. That's all I need to know. This is good yeah. versus evil. The intricacies of this are a little difficult. But we, we have a scene where, where Eric Roberts shoots, you know, the, the traitors, you know, and, and then we, we get to go back to some fun. And we've got the scene in the church. Oh, my God. This is the scene I couldn't wait for. And luckily, going into it, I had been told this, the shot in the in the trailer with with Stallone and Schwarzenegger is about all you're going to get of Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and that was the only unfortunate part is, you know, you almost wish that it, it, it wasn't promoted. And you can totally understand why they used Schwarzenegger and, and, and Bruce Willis to help promote this movie. But can you imagine sitting in the theater and, and this scene coming on and not knowing it was it was going to be there? Wow, that is, I mean, that's a cameo that would just blow your mind. Leading up to this, for years, they had kind of had this play in their movies where, you know, like in Twins, Schwarzenegger looks at the Rambo poster and kind of compares his, like, his biceps and his abs with with the ones that Stallone has in the poster. And, you know, mm-hmm. you remember the last action hero? Oh, yeah. It was, wasn't it St- like Stallone on the Terminator 2 poster? Yeah. And the kid <laughs> sees it. He takes him to the video store to show... Arnold's character that he's an actor and there's Terminator starring Stallone and and Arnold's like I love him Arnold Braunschweiger <laughs> so they had this kind of playful back and forth and and it really culminates you know with this scene finally the two big names of the 80s on screen at the same time and there's even a line in here that's a reference and I'm not sure I like it as a line where he says what's his problem and he says he wants to be president. Yeah. But that line is almost a reference to Demolition Man where he is president and Stallone can't believe it. Mm-hmm. So this is a great scene. Let's let's talk about the deal here. We've got uh, Schwarzenegger comes in after Bruce Willis, who had set up this meeting. He says he's Mr. Church because they're inside a church and he they they're setting up the island that they have to go to and the whole you know the whole deal that we've kind of seen already he's mm-hmm. setting up why they have to go there and it's interesting this was all shot much later than the rest of the film yeah they they started filming from march to july of 2009 and then in october they came back october 27th right before halloween they came back and they filmed this scene which is the only scene i believe shot in los angeles it was shot at the first presbyterian church of hollywood on gower street and so they all went inside and shot this scene so 
I heard Stallone say that his idea was he was going to have a scene where it was like a parking lot scene with with him and Schwarzenegger where they get they 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 run into each other in a parking lot and then he was going to have this scene and he said Bruce Willis said why don't you just put us all in the same scene and yeah. you know what brilliant idea you know to put all three of them in one scene together it really is absolutely fantastic yeah and and for me it actually helped me create alternate movies in my mind where Trench, this Schwarzenegger character, is the leader of a, another team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was just um, instantly saying, oh, my God, can you imagine the adventures that his team is having? So true. It really is something. He, he's what, Trench is his name? Yes. And at this time, he was governor of California. Uh, he said recently that he was he was at the hairdresser, and Sly comes up to him and says, hey, you know, it would be great if you do something in the Expendables. And he said, you know, I'll do it. And he, and Stallone said, all right, I'll, I'll have my agent call your agent. He's like, yeah, hey, I don't – you don't need to talk to my agent. I'm the boss. You know, I'm, I'm the mm-hmm. governor of the state of California. I can make my <laughs> own deal. I'll do it for free. You know, we just got to shoot it. I think he said we have to shoot it on a weekend because I don't want the appearance that I'm not working – for the state of California, you know, and shooting a movie. So if we do it on my days off, it's perfectly fine. And and so now he's going to be in Expendables 2, yeah. which comes out today. And they're also doing a movie together called The Tomb. It's which is which is just great. I mean, you know, regardless of of how long it took them to finally, you know, appear on screen together, they're appearing on screen together. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, there's one more thing I do want to talk about Schwarzenegger before we say goodbye to him in this movie. In 1999, November 11th, he appeared on SmackDown and he was there, uh, basically to promote the, what was the movie that he was promoting? It was, uh, end of, end of, end of, end of days. days, end of days. Okay. So he was, he was promoting his, it was his film that went up against Stigmata. They both had the same plot and came out like the same month. Yeah. And they gave him, Vince McMahon gave him the box office championship belt which I don't think End of Days was the top film of that year or the decade or all time. So I'm assuming he had to give that belt up at some point. Yeah, you can really imagine. <laughs> Maybe, I guess James Cameron's wearing it at home. <laughs> but he gave him that, and then he, he sat at ringside, and Stone Cold Steve Austin was the referee for the match. And at one point, Triple H came over and, and uh, kind of mouthed off to Schwarzenegger and then threw a punch at him, and Schwarzenegger ducked it and nailed uh, Triple H, beat him down and went in the ring and had a Steve Weiser with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it is so great. This movie is the perfect movie for us here on Camel Clutch cinema oh definitely we then have another scene with Dolph Lundgren who is just so great I can't can't say enough about his performance in this movie and he shows up at the the uh the shop you know mm-hmm. at where where Stallone is and Stallone's in his car and you you told me something interesting about this I I was unaware of the significance of the 1955 Ford F100 and and how hard it was for them to get it for this movie yeah, so I, I think what happened is when Stallone decided he liked the look of the Ford F-100, they actually um, had three different versions that were custom built. Uh, one was built for a crash scene, the second for green screen work, and the third was actually for Stallone to keep. Again, going back to what I was saying about the <laughs> motorcycles, I think that might be his deal. But what's really interesting about what you're saying is they these aren't the real this isn't a 1955 car. They made this car. This yeah, car a co- was made in the year 2009. Yeah, um, a company called West Coast Customs made it, uh Street Customs, and uh, th- it's a beautiful looking truck. 
Yeah, it really is. And it's cool. So that way they could, you know, they for the crash scene, they didn't have to use a real one. And even for all the wear and tear, they didn't have to use an antique car. Mm-hmm. There's something else I want to say about Stallone before we go any further. Uh, everybody probably remembers that he starred in Rocky Three, but it's it's not everybody always puts together that that's where Mr. T and Hulk Hogan met, which led to the match at WrestleMania, you know, yeah. with Mr. T and Hulk Hogan and Mr. T being in, you know, WWE for another year after that and then being in WCW years later. And it yeah. also was Stallone who inducted Hulk Hogan into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005. So this oh, right. ties in so well to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to wrestling. The next scene, we've got the meeting. I like the meeting where they all, they all meet and they all talk and we get to see the team all sitting there kind of telling jokes, talking about like, you know, uh, how short Jet Li is, talking <laughs> yes. about, Talking about Randy Couture's ear, and 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 I do like that part. I think that's pretty cool with his cauliflower ear. Yes. And I like uh, I like uh, Terry Crews. Uh, his uh, what are we four and a half men? You know, I like <laughs> yeah. that line. Yeah, yeah. Now this is another one of those scenes that really sort of shows you the the team dynamic, and they're not just a bunch of guys that are you know assembled to, to you know to work. They're you know they actually have you know relationships outside of the you know the teamwork that you're doing yeah it's it's a great scene and from there we go to uh to them flying to scout the area we get the first you know scene where they're going to go out there and 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 nothing bad is going to happen they're just going to they're just going to do some recon work and come right back yeah and we know how that works in stallone (laughs) movies so they fly out there. They have this passport scene where they tell them that they're ornithologists and photographing exotic birds. Yes. And when we saw this in the theater, I remember you had a brilliant idea. You said, yeah. why isn't that Hulk Hogan? Why isn't yeah. he the passport man? Which is really, I think, how they had promoted this movie. They uh-huh. really told you everybody's going to be in this movie. So you kind of, as you're watching it, was like, who, who's going to be in this scene? Somebody's got to be in this, right? You know, yeah. they did Richard Roundtree show up for this part? Is you know, are we going to see? Are we going to see you know uh, Mel Gibson here? So uh, it really, that would have been some awesome casting if they had just thrown in. Maybe Don Morocco could have worked that. <laughs> oh my Tito God, Santana. Tito Santana yeah. would have been good. He yeah, he would have fit in too. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a great scene. We go to the town square, and this is our first glimpse of Stone Cold Steve Austin playing a character named Payne. Yes. He's destroying a fruit stand. <laughs> he looks yeah. great. I mean, oh, he yeah. looks 10 years younger in this film than he did at that time, uh, at the time he retired. I mean, this, yeah. he looks great in this movie. Oh, oh he's, he's definitely in, in fighting shape. Yeah, he's absolutely in fighting shape. Um it's interesting. Steve Austin, WWF champ six times, IC champ two times, tag team champ four times, King of the Ring winner, won the Royal Rumble three times, Hall of Fame 2009. The WWF and WWE was like the second half of his career. You know, he yeah. had, had a he was an older guy when he got there. He started mm-hmm. out in WCW and had what most people would have assumed was an entire career. And was probably closer to retirement and moving on and, you know, finding another job than having the biggest parts of his career. He had been, you know, tag team champs in WCW with Brian Pillman and Mm -hmm. won the U.S. championship a couple times, the TV championship a couple times. And then, you know, had this wonderful resurgence. Really couldn't happen to a better guy. Seems like a a pretty nice guy, you know, Mm -hmm. most things considered. Oh, yeah. 
He uh, he also, and I find this very interesting, his birth name is Steve Williams. Yes. And he had to change his name because there there's, was another wrestler who, who's passed away, but whose name was Steve Williams. Yes. And the other Steve Williams is best friends with Jim Ross. And Stone Cold Steve Austin is best friends with Jim Ross, <laughs> yes. which means that both of Jim Ross's best friends were named Steve Williams. Amazing. It's What are the odds? I, I couldn't even calculate them. Yeah. Stone Cold is, has done some other film work. Uh, prior to this, he had done The Longest Yard, where he's got a smaller part. Kali's also in that movie. I was just going to say that, yeah. I think there might be one or two other wrestlers in that. And then he did uh, Condemned, which was a WWE film. And then he, he threw out a couple straight-to-video films that came out just before this, but may have even been filmed after this. And yeah. then after doing Expendables, where he's got his name in the credits, in the opening credits, he's got his name above the you know title in the poster, he's got yeah. his you know uh, his name on the screen in the in the in the uh, trailer. Mm-hmm. He then went back and did a lot more straight to video. I mean, we really haven't seen this is the ultimate Stone Cold movie. Oh yeah, oh definitely. I I hope we get better at some point from him, but but this is it, um, and it's great. So we see him, we meet the con contact which is sandra who we later find out is is actually the daughter of the the evil dictator mm-hmm. um, we see she does a lot of artwork and she's got a piece of artwork that really fits in with the tattoo on stallone's back you know it's got kind of a bird thing going on with it mm-hmm. and he, he asks her for it and there's there's no payoff for that but it may be tonight in expendables 2 there will be a payoff oh wow yeah could be it could tie it together We've got some weird stuff going on here. We've got uh, uh, the scene where where Christmas gets out of the truck, mm-hmm. and you know they're like they're driving, and he's like, "I'm going to get out here," and then he just leaves, and then th- they have a conversation where she's like, "He's like, I think you you might have um, not sold us out. What's the word he says? Uh, set, setting us up." And she's like, "What is setting us up? Doing you know like total uh, somewhere between Boris and Natasha and the Iron Sheik with her delivery." <laughs> Uh, but it's it's an interesting scene, and and I think the reason for Christmas getting out. Now, there's probably a, another reason. He's doing some recon of his own. There's the back and forth with him and Stallone, where he's a little mad with Stallone because Stallone's not as accepting of the fact that he's as upset he, as he is about his girlfriend leaving him. Uh, but there's also the reason that he leaves is so he can come back to save the day. Oh yeah, it's hard to save the day when you don't leave. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see our, our first, um, you know, there's some gunplay here, but there's also some hand-to-hand combat. And you see some really interesting choreography here. It looks like they incorporated a lot of, like, MMA-style moves in here. Stallone does some stuff that you haven't seen him done in, do in a movie before. And it was really cool because it uh, it looked really physical. And, and again, we you know, we've talked about this with some of the other movies. It looked real, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely does. Really, mm-hmm. really good scene. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't look real, and, and this is one of my only complaints with this whole movie, is the use of the CGI for, for some of the wounds. Uh, a lot of the blood uh, the blood hits yeah, or I don't bullet know hits why. Yeah, are, are just all Especially later in the film. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what the reason is for that. I, I, I don't know if that's maybe the way things are going now and this yeah. movie just didn't have enough budget left over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is, it is kind of weird. And we also have a great shot here. This is Stallone directed this movie, but uh, he does a, a, a rollover move and he shoots the two guys and we actually roll the camera rolls, which is uh, 
you know, a, a great gimmick shot. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes to escape and we get, we get a big explosion on the dock and, you know, uh, we get them leaving in the plane. We get, we get Stol- Barney hanging off the side of the plane. Mm-hmm. She does it. She refuses to leave. And why would anybody want to stay here? You know, we get a really, and then they come back to set the dock on fire. Yeah, this oh. is this is an exciting scene. This mm-hmm. movie has not let up. I mean, they've with the with the short exception of the maybe the scene where they're they're meeting and the scene with the girlfriend. This movie has has had action almost in every second of this film. Oh yeah, I mean everything's even either been an action scene or the setup to an action scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that Garza's daughter is is Sandra. Um, we we get Gunner's first time to sell out. Yes, uh, he shows up and uh, uh, you know uh, he has he has a pretty good scene with Stone Cold. Yeah, and actually it, it's funny the uh, uh, they accuse each other at different points in the scene of being pretty boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, for some reason, Monroe's other henchman calls Dolph a pretty boy, and then at some point Dolph calls Stone Cold a pretty boy. Right, um, which is very weird, but it was a great standoff between the two of them, and, and just it's great seeing tough guys face off in movies verbally it's just and stone cold is really good in this scene i mean when he's refusing to put his gun down it's fantastic he straight up says i'm gonna kill him yes you know uh and and that's the thing with 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 actors like this in movies is he says it and you believe it right that's totally true you know it's not like adrian brody or somebody holding a gun saying that line and you're like yeah okay yeah, it is great. I mean, it's a really, really good scene. Um, and then, then we find out more about the plot. And this, yeah. what? This almost feels like a scene they shot after to sort of just really clarify what's going on. Yeah. It's shot in all close-ups of everybody's eyes and between uh, shots of the eyes and shots of the computer screen that Stallone's basically narrating over. Right. It's, it definitely felt to me like this was a catch-up scene. And I've kind of missed this because I think what happens at this point in the movie is not that you tune out in a bad way. It's just you're waiting for the next action scene. So you're letting you know the movie wash over you. You're hoping maybe there's a joke in the scene and then you get to the next scene. But the, the plot is that you know um, uh, the CIA hired them and, and uh, uh, Mr. Church was actually CIA and that really they don't want to kill the dictator. They want to kill a rogue CIA agent played by Eric Roberts and they just figure this is a roundabout way of getting that done. Yeah. So we get some exposition and then we move right on to the girlfriend with the black eye. The convenient, I mean, it's so convenient that he goes to visit her and this guy's blackened her eye. Yeah. You know, this guy didn't didn't hit her somewhere where it wasn't visible. He gave her the big black eye, the big old shiner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a horrible person that we need to see justice metered out on at this point. Oh, yeah. So we get one of the best scenes of the movie, but again, a, a scene that kind of feels weird in this film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christmas goes to the basketball court. And before we get there, I do want to point out, I, I, when I was researching the motorcycles, his motorcycle is one of the most expensive and one of the most sought after motorcycles in the world. This is a Ducati Superbike. It's called the Ducati Desmo Sedici. And okay. it's, uh, it, they made 1500 of them. 
they were $75,000 each. It had a top speed of 190 miles an hour, and they, they only had 500 of them that went to the U.S., and they sold them in five hours, they say. And, oh, and wow. Tom Cruise got the first one. Of course he did. Yes. And so this this was uh this was a a motorcycle that that the, they bought, you know, that somebody either loaned them or whatever, but this doesn't appear to be an advertisement because it's a motorcycle no one could buy. You know, I mm-hmm. mean this isn't like something that was, you know, like when they put the new Ford in, you know, the Fast and Furious. This was something where they they wanted this in there. And I think one of the reasons is they do that back and forth where he's kind of going back and forth with uh, Stallone about how, you know, Stallone is, is not as fast as him. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're not as fast as you used to be. And then in, in Stallone, you know, talks about, you know, knives and, and guns and the speed between, you know, throwing a knife and, you know, and, and shooting a gun. And so I think this may have been something Stallone put in there on purpose to have a big difference. Stallone is riding a Harley Davidson that I believe he got from Borgette Cycles, which is called Fat Daddy, which mm-hmm. is not a very fast motorcycle. And then he's got Christmas on a completely different looking bike that is much faster. So it, sure. I think it's an interesting payoff. And this leads us to this awesome fight <laughs> where he breaks a basketball. Yeah, he takes out what, the guy and si- at least six of his friends, I think, yes. and he just uh, destroys them. He, you know, he, he Statham is, is is at least in his movies, he looks like he's pretty proficient in in martial arts, and you know, he really dispatches these guys in a in a pretty you know, gru- you know, a gruesome fashion. You know, guys are you know, arms are being broken, and the punches, you know, really really look like they connect. And then he, you know, he puts the basketball on the guy's chest and comes down with the knife, uh, you know, and comes just short of, of stabbing him. Just a really, really great fight scene, really violent and incredibly effective. It's awesome. It's mm-hmm. it's it's weird that it's in this film, but it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. There yeah. is a part that I don't get, which is he's been talking throughout the movie that she doesn't know what he does, and he's like, yeah. "But I'm when I'm with you, you know where I am. I'm, yeah. That's who I am." And then after this scene, he's like, now you know what I do. And I mean, yeah, I don't know other, what he does based on that. Yeah, no, I, I'd imagine that's a, you know, you can only imagine what she's thinking there. The other interesting thing or the other funny thing is she's thinking he'll never get a job if this is all he can do is beat up guys on a basketball court. And he just did it. So when's the next time he's going <laughs> to be needed to do that? But she, he also tells her that he's not perfect and that she should have waited for him. Um like it's her fault where in the earlier scene she had said, I haven't heard from you in a month. Yeah. You know, so we're supposed to, supposed to feel like she really, you know, sold him out by, you know, going to get a new boyfriend. Oh, yeah. uh, but it was hard to really feel like, you know, she had done anything wrong. Well, this is not Eat, Pray, Love. This is the this is the man yeah. movie. And so that's what they're doing. And, yeah. and, you know, he's just like, look, they had just brought basketball to Bosnia. I had to go rough <laughs> some people up. It's gone for a month. I almost wonder if we sort of got this Christmas subplot to sort of almost make put a little bit more of a focus on Statham, almost with maybe the intent of down the line having Statham be the team leader without Stallone even in the movies. Ooh, maybe. Could I'm wondering well if be. I'm wondering if that was if they were sort of maybe hedging their bets and sort of just saying, "Hey, let's just put some focus on him." So if if that does ever happen, you know, people won't think it's out of the blue now we got a lot of stuff uh to to get through here so let's mm-hmm. let's just breathe through some of this we've got mm-hmm. uh we've got the scene where tool talks about the girl in bosnia that killed herself brother 
uh, we've got the scene where Sandra talks to Monroe, but uh, and and he and he goes, "I don't strike women. I was raised not to strike women." But Stone Cold Steve Austin likes to hit women, which is very uncomfortable because Deborah McMichael and uh, his his other girlfriend, that uh, Tess uh, Bruchard, mm-hmm. both said that he does like to strike women. Yeah, so. This- yeah, I'm going to say allegedly because I yeah. don't want to get stunnered, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's a little uncomfortable when that's the reputation he has to a degree that you know that that we get that line. Yeah, that was another moment that you, you get taken out of the moment for uh, movie <laughs> for a moment where you're like, wow, is this really happening? Um, we mentioned that Monroe is played by Eric Roberts. Yes, uh, I did notice it, and this I hope I hope this becomes almost a running theme over this you know this pod this series of podcasts, but. Apparently, one of the other choices for Monroe was Al Pacino. Get out. <laughs> yes. Wow. So in the Marine, Al Pacino was apparently the other choice for the Terminator part, which, yeah. uh, you know, which again, Terminator, that's the <laughs> connection to, you know, Schwarzenegger being in this. Yeah. Uh, but the Robert Patrick part was apparently Al Pacino. Wow. I hope every one of these movies has Al Pacino as a possible contender for a part. <laughs> also, Eric Roberts was able to go to dinner, uh, you know, I guess probably a month or two after this, you know, maybe they had a family dinner and he's looking at his sister with her hairy armpits and saying, hey, <laughs> see, yeah. Julia, eat, pray, love, didn't, didn't beat expendables. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. they are brother and sister, right? Yes, yes. Just making sure. <laughs> Uh, again, ripped from the headlines like the pirate thing, we get we get a waterboarding scene. Mm-hmm. We get Ross deciding to go back for the girl and saying, "Look, I'm going to go on my own." And then Jet Li gets his moment where he comes in, he talks about how he's shorter. You know, it's harder for him. Mm-hmm. The other guys, it's easier. I'm smaller. <laughs> and he's funny in this. I mean, he's oh, yeah. really, really funny. He, you know, I have always thought of it, you know, Jackie Chan and him came, you know, uh, uh, while they didn't come at the same time, Jet Li's a lot younger. They both had a big resurgence around the same time in the late, late nineties. And I always thought of him as the one that's not funny and he's really funny in that. Oh yeah. And so we get a big scene with Gunner and him fighting and, you know, a really, really great hand to hand combat scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We get some face paint on the warriors. We get the, the, you know, they call it the American disease. They're going to fight. We get the infiltration. We get a lot of stuff going on. But really, we're just waiting for the big explosion. And we get that. We get the team getting on the plane together because Gunner gave them the information. They get mm-hmm. out there. And this is where things go down. Oh, yeah. This is, the, this is now the end of the movie. From, from, from here on out, buckle your seatbelt because it's not going to stop. And you're crossing your fingers hoping that nobody, you know, none of the good guys die. Yeah, so far so good. So uh, Ross gets to save Sandra, uh, mm-hmm. but then he gets captured by pain by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they have an incredible fight that's, that Stone Cold Steve Austin leaves them laying. Yes, which I really, really loved. I love that, you know, you can throw the word ego around if you want. Yeah. Uh, but Stallone puts him over, for lack of a better word. Yeah, he really does. And in this scene, Stallone says he got a hairline fracture in his neck and needed to get a metal plate put in, he said, from this scene. Yeah, so the he- shot's actually in the movie. It's, it's when he gets speared, uh, when Stone Cold spears him into the wall. Wow. Yeah. So that's great. We also get an incredible scene of Hail Caesar with that automatic shotgun. 
Oh my God, turning people into red sauce. <laughs> Tell us about uh, the casting choice of Terry Crews. Uh, well, Hail Caesar, apparently it was a very, very long casting process. It was originally offered to Wesley Snipes, who was ready to do it, uh, but he couldn't accept because he was uh, facing those tax charges That's and he cool. couldn't leave the country. Hmm. Um, and then Forrest Whitaker came on board and the, and the part was rewritten for him, but he left uh, due to a scheduling conflict. And then 50 Cent took the role, uh, but he decided to turn it down uh, eventually to focus on his music career. And then finally, Stallone went to Terry Crews and said, I need you. Now, Terry Crews is an imposing man. You see him in, like, I think the Old Spice commercials. Mm -hmm. He used to do those ones where he had, like, a hand that would come out of his muscle. <laughs> yes. And he's a former NFL guy. But prior to this, all I knew him from was from the sitcom Everybody Hates Chris. So to me, this seemed so weird when I saw him pop up because – he, it didn't click with me how big and imposing he is because I'm so used to him just playing that, you know, funny dad in that in that show. Yeah. Uh, but my God, he comes through gangbusters in this. He is awesome in this movie. Yeah. And there was actually one line that he says after he destroys half the army with his automatic shotgun. He says, remember this shit at Christmas. <laughs> and actually, that was one line that I I can picture Wesley Snipes saying. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley Snipes is really is a quip master. So that would have. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I pictured it. I was thinking this would be like if the Dirty Dozen had Sherman Hemsley in it. You know, this is like <laughs> a dad from a sitcom. But, man, if he doesn't pull it off in a big-time way. And I wouldn't be surprised if eventually he's a guy that's just known as being a big action star. It's interesting that he didn't start out that way, that he, you know, ended up being known for, you know, part that was totally different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monroe kills Garza. He, he takes off with Payne and Sandra and then uh, Garza's men open fire on the expendables and there's, you know, explosions and, and, and things detonating and, you know, really, really big booms everywhere. And then we get, which I'm sure a lot of people were looking for, we get Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Randy Couture. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not a UFC watcher. I don't watch it. I know you're not a big watcher of, of UFC or MMA. Um, but a lot of people, there's a lot of crossover with wrestling and, and MMA. And, I mean, this is a guy who fought in the UFC. He's three-time UFC heavyweight champion, two-time light heavyweight champion. He was apparently an interim light heavyweight champion at one point, which doesn't count towards his other reigns as light heavyweight champion. 13-time heavyweight champion tournament winner. And he's the first fighter to hold two Two UFC titles in two different divisions, both the heavyweight and the light heavyweight. Don't know how that works out, but apparently mm -hmm. he was able to do it. Had 15 title fights, which is a record, and has the most title reigns with five. So, I mean, this is one of the top all-time guys in MMA against one of the top all-time pro wrestlers, you know, one of the most popular ever. So, yeah. very good fight. The MMA guy wins when Payne's set on fire. <laughs> And he is charred. There's no debating whether yeah. he lives or not. I remember when they were making the sequel, there was talk that Stone Cold was was back for it. And I was trying to figure out how they were going to do it. And I guess it didn't end up happening because from what I can see, unless we're surprised, uh, Stone Cold is not listed on the, the IMDb credits for the sequel. There may have been some... Uh, you, maybe you sh you grow your hair in. You had hair, you'd be a different guy. And then he, you know, grew his hair in, and they were like, "Whoa, whoa! I'm sorry, we didn't realize what you look like with the hair. We hadn't watched you in the Hollywood Blondes, and we can't. This this isn't the look we need." Yeah. <laughs> 
But we get uh, Monroe gets killed by Ross and Christmas. Uh, Sandra saved. The team travels home and they celebrate at the tattoo parlor. And Gunner is back and welcomed in a hundred percent. And he's like, "All right, noted. I'm I'm going to keep my head in line and I won't cause any more problems." And you believe it because he gives Jet Li the thumbs up. <laughs> he gives him the big thumbs up, sitting on his bike with his with, with his other arm in the sling. I love this ending. It's just, it's, it's just, so happy. They, yeah, they, everybody's, everybody's laughing. Everybody's yeah. having a good time, and you're having a good time, right? And there's some knife throwing. Yeah, there's a knife throwing competition between Tool and uh, and Christmas, and uh, Statham recites a, a great little limerick. Just a, a lot of fun, and we watch them ride out on their motorcycle to the boys are back in town. So we have no spoilers for the sequel because we haven't seen it yet. I am going to see it by the end of the night. But as of right now, I haven't seen it. I know you're going to go see it. We I don't think we'll be seeing this one together, uh, but no, we're both going to see it. But the one thing that the sequel does have, as far as we know, there's no wrestlers in it, you know, other than the guys we've talked about that have wrestling connections, you know, but there's nobody. Uh, they're not adding, you know, The Rock or anything. But yeah, there, Not yet. Yeah, I know. We're not sure. So there is Chuck Norris, and Chuck Norris was a special enforcer at Survivor Series 1994 in a casket match oh, between right. Taker and Yokozuna. Yeah. And, and this was a really goofy thing. I mean, he had to, like, he held off, like, Bam Bam and, like, five other guys, you know, like, I think Kama came down the aisle, and he, like, you know, just put his hands up in fighting stance, and they were like, whoa, all right, okay. And so th- that's how Taker was able to, you know, to, to overcome, I believe, and, and, and beat Yokozuna in that. Oh, that's great. It's classic, classic 1994 Survivor Series. So so that's it. Uh, this is, is one heck of a movie. Please, could you tell me what was going on in the WWE while this movie was in theaters? Sure. We were actually, um, we were, SummerSlam happened the weekend this movie opened. Oh, man, this was a good weekend. Uh, Yeah. And at the time, uh, the WWE champ was uh, Sheamus, who won it. Who won it at the Fatal Four Way pay per view? That was and, a great. That was a great win. The Fatal Four Way at Uniondale, Long Island, and that was when yeah. he he kind of robbed it. He you know all the work had been done by somebody else, and he came in and, and took the pinfall, and then ran into the crowd with the belt. And I mean, it was totally out of left field. You, he was the one guy in the Fatal Four Way you didn't think was going to win, and that started his second reign. Yeah, that, that match had Edge, Randy Orton, and the champion who was John Cena. Yeah. So it was definitely. And, uh, I have not watched it again, but I think um, John Cena was the one that was pinned, and I think he was put out by uh, by Wade Barrett. But I'm not positive that that's the case because I'm just going on my memory from a couple years ago, and wrestling memories tend to get fuzzy because there's so much wrestling going on. But oh, sure, that was a great match. Yeah, and Sheamus would hold it until September 19th uh, that year when he lost it to Randy Orton at Night of Champions in a six pack challenge uh, that included Edge, John Cena, Chris Jericho, and Wade Barrett. Um, the WWE heavyweight champion was Kane, who had cashed it in uh, the night that he won his Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, winning it from Rey Mysterio. Right. Uh, and he would hold it till December 19th when he lost it to Edge at the TLC pay-per-view right. in a fatal four-way uh, where the other participants were Rey and Al- Al- Alberto Del Rio uh, in addition to Edge. And this would be when Edge won the belt leading up to what would ultimately be his final uh, title reign. Right, yeah, and his final match at WrestleMania, and then he had to, yeah. he retired with the belt because of his, his neck injury. And SummerSlam 
was Team WWE, WWE versus the Nexus. And yes. this was the return of Daniel Bryan, who we actually got to see about a month later at a at a show with about 200 people because yes. he had signed on to do it before he got re-signed. And he was, you know, they, they gave him the day off or whatever to go to go wrestle, you know, in this little, you know, like armory or whatever in, in New Jersey. Yeah. And it was also, uh, the, the WWE team had like, I think Kali was on it. I think he may have been eliminated from it before they got out there, but it was a wacky team. Bret Hart was on it. Yes. It was, John, that was a, a, a weird, weird main event. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also really started to show how weak, uh, the Nexus might have really been as, as cool as they were. It, it doesn't really seem like they were on the level, you know, that, that, that they were being presented. Right. Well, before we close out, I want to ask you, did you tap? <laughs> Actually, I, I did. No, of course I, not. Of course not. Yeah. Nobody taps to the expendables. I didn't tap. I think it's important that we get it out there, though, just for the record. Sure. If anybody is recording it and, you know, cataloging it in a book somewhere, we did It is not- now in the official Camel Clutch Cinema <laughs> Podcast rule book or uh, record book. That's right. Uh, did you get any emails? Um, actually, I, I did, and, and it kind of relates to what we were talking about. But uh, we got an email that says, as a fan of both pro wrestling and MMA, I love seeing Randy Couture and Stone Cold fight. Their fight at the end was a highlight for me, even though we all know that Stone Cold would be the winner if they really faced off. Right. And that's the bottom line because Billy D said so. So right. thank you for that email, Billy D. There you go. I'm not going to even argue with it. <laughs> Let somebody else argue that. Um, I have an IMDb post. This is a good one. It's from the Expendables message board, and it says, if you're a tough buff dude, you only want women as an excuse to rub men? It seems to me Lee only got girlfriends because he wants to grope guys who stare at her. And after he is done, he lefts them. It's not a macho thing to do. So that's what was going on in that fight. We thought it was a fight. He was he was groping them. Yeah, it definitely looked like he was groping them. <laughs> got the IMDb message board, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, I'm going to go out and watch Expendables. You're going to watch Expendables. What are we watching for next week? Uh, next week, we're going back to 1980, and we're going to be watching a movie called Below the Belt with Mildred Burke. Oh, my goodness. This is She's a member of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and the Observer Hall of Fame. She was a, a star from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, held the Women's Championship for like 20 years, which was a record until Moolah broke it and held it for like 30 years. But she trained the fabulous Moolah. This is, Mildred Burke is one of the most famous woman wrestlers of all time, but I think has kind of been forgotten. So it'll be nice to, to catch up up and, and learn about her uh, in this film, which is actually, from what I understand, was filmed several years before 1980 and came out in 1980 uh, because there was kind of a boom on wrestling and other things at that point. So we'll, we'll get a, a feel of an older film after this. So we jump from The Expendables all the way back in time to, to watch Below the Belt. So that'll be really good. And this movie is on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, go on there, watch it. So when we talk about it, you'll know about it. Well, I'm glad you didn't tap. I thank you for, for, for joining me on this one, Craig. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And we'll see you on the next Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you 
doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King. Oh my God, a four-post massacre. No one can survive this. So it's an interesting scene. Uh, Gunner, you know, has his his heel turn here. His his thread throughout the movie is he's like I'm crazy, and then and then Stallone's like cool it, and then he's like all right we cool, and Stallone's like we cool, and then later he's like I'm crazy, and Stallone's like hey cool it, and he's like all right we cool, yeah we cool. Then he's like, I'm dying. And he's like, we cool? He's like, yeah, we cool. That's basically his thread throughout the entire movie. He goes crazy a few times, then comes back down a few times. I like it. 